1: Please tell us what's the vibe about? DMs, DMs, yeah we see them, yeah we read them DMs, DMs, we don't need them, we just leave them Please Yeah is going down in the DMs. Bye. Hello and welcome to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. Today we are here with Nancy Jo Sales. Nancy is a writer at Vanity Fair, a journalist and a filmmaker, and most recently the author of Nothing Personal. So how are you doing today, Nancy? I'm good. I actually
2: got my books today. So I'm really excited. That is super exciting. Oh, yeah, it's nice. It's a memoir and It is about my online dating experience as a woman in my 50s, but it's also wrapped around a lot of research about the online dating industry and how it affects users, particularly women. I think of great concern to women, what's going on with online dating. I think there's a lot of urgency in talking about it that it's not talked about enough in the way that I think it should be talked about, which is the harm that's coming to people through these platforms. And that's everything from harassing messages to unsolicited graphic images, dick pics. Yeah. There's stalking, there's sadly even sexual assault and rape that happens on dating apps and nobody seems to really wanna talk about this. I don't know why, because it's so, well, I have some theories why, because I think it, one reason is because it mostly affects women and girls and also, there's racism on dating apps. These algorithms are biased, and this is a great concern to all of us. I think, especially people of color, um, who uh, are often met on these apps with, you know, terrible, blatant racist statements, and the uh, companies in of question often do nothing to uh, the users who make these statements. You know, there's no—they don't kick them off, and even when they're reported, so. I tried to talk about all of that because I think it's so important that we do talk about it. But also i talked about my own experience and what happened to me when I went on dating apps as a woman of 49, when Tinder first came out and you couldn't even go past 40 on Tinder. Like wow. the app only went up to 40. That's ridiculous. It, no, it yeah. did when it first came out. So I was like, what's gonna happen? Cause I'm 49. Oh, well, I'll just go on there and see what happens. And what happened was that the people who matched with me were all like 22. Like the people who wanted to date me on Tinder in 2014 were all very young 20-something guys. And I I, I was like shocked, like, what? Mm. Like, I couldn't understand it. Like, what's going on? But I mean, I'd say like 22 to like 28.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow.
3: And
2: the reason, I think there's a lot of reasons that young men today are so interested in older women. And one of, I think- big reasons you know pardon me for saying so is porn because Mm. there's this like fetishism about older women in porn like the milf or the smilf or you know i'm a smilf i guess because (laughs) well it used to be like 10 years ago i don't know if i am now but um i'm still i'm a single parent so um yeah so i talked about so i was like shocked yeah. Like, honestly, Not about the sex or anything. I mean, you know, if you read the memoir, you'll find out that I've had a very active sex life these 40 something years since I've been dating. I mean, I've never shied away from a hookup if that's what I wanted to do. But this culture of dating as it's evolved with this technology is just so callous, so impersonal, so hard on people. I think the book is called Nothing Personal, but that's ironic because really it is so personal. Yeah. It makes it feel so bad a lot of the time. You know, I was I was um, interviewed for the book a few days ago by someone on a British radio station and they said, well, Nancy Joe, if so many people are using online dating and they just love it, what's the problem? But see, the problem is they don't love it. Like yes. nobody is happy. No. No. We'll but tell I'm you. Happy. I'm online dating Thank and I don't love it. I hate
3: it. Okay.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Nobody loves it. Oh. Men, women, people who identify in other ways, we all hate it. Like <laughs> it's because it's awful. Yeah. And I really resent the way that these companies have overwhelmed the landscape of dating and made it like so there's no other way to date now for a lot of people. And there's a lot of young people coming up now who don't know any other way to date. Right. You literally don't know any other way to date. So I think this is all really important to talk about. And and that's what the book's about. And I, you know, I try and be funny and, and, and take a a lighter tone towards some of it because really some of these things, what can you do but laugh? Like not about harassment or whatever, but I mean, I had those ridiculous experiences that would happen. I try and keep it light as much as I can because, you know, laughter is a defense mechanism. I guess there's like, Sometimes all you can do is laugh. And I would come home from these dates sometimes, and I, I would have to talk about it with somebody because it was just so insane when it happened. And and scary sometimes, like thinking someone's going to kill you. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, start choking you like, oh, oh, Like, what are you? Well, no, choking is a thing. Right, like, right. 100%. I didn't know that yeah. then. Yeah. <laughs> like, I learned. I was like... being two-handed choked right now am I gonna die in this (laughs) this weird apartment you know so anyway I would just feel so freaked out about all this and I or or just want to like laugh or somebody so I live in the East Village in New York City and my best friend has a a stocky bar but they have other stuff too they have beer and um, food and so I would go find her at her stocky bar and then I start talking it's a little tiny place and so I just start talking to her and talking to other people in the bar and young women, young men, straight, gay, all different kinds of people, and we would just start talking about our experiences on these dating apps. This is when, this is when mobile dating really, really took off. I mean, Grinder was 2009, but 2013-14, it was like it really just exploded, and everyone was like just using it like all the time, getting addicted. Like 2014, everybody was just like swiping 20 yeah. times like all the time. The addiction, you know, these apps are designed to be addictive. So we were all falling under the spell. And, and so I would, that's also part of the book is my conversations that I would have with young women and other people about online dating, because I just, you know, I was experiencing this thing myself, but I'm also a reporter. So over the years, I read a lot about youth culture and sex. And so this was a new thing that was right up my alley from a reporting standpoint. So I started to kind of experience it and report on it at the same time. Like I would go on these weird dates and then i would come home and i would start writing immediately the boy from queens okay the, the boy from queens i call him the boy from queens because he's the one i thought was trying to kill me too because he took me to queens i live in manhattan and queens is you know like if you go to the airports which are in queens it, it takes like 30 minutes 45 minutes sometimes an hour so i knew it could take a while to get to his house wherever we were going and i'd been on a, a date was in before but it was like an hour and a half like queens is big yeah. it was like we could have like taken a plane to Florida (gasps) that it took to drive to his apartment. (laughs) And when we got there, he got, he got on the phone and he started having a fight with his mother on the phone. Was it on speaker? speaker? No, but I could hear, she was (laughs) mad at him. She was mad at him because he wanted to go on this bike riding trip through South America. And she didn't want him to go because he was going to like take a leave of absence from his job. And Anyway, it was like a mother son thing. And I was just like, oh God, I'm older than his mother. And here I am in his apartment and he's having a fight with his mother. I've got to get out of here. So, but now I'm like two hours into Queens and there's no Uber. I called the Uber and said, it'll be there in 54 minutes. Oh. I was like, oh my God, please get me out of here. So I go down to the apartment, uh, down to the lobby of the apartment building at this point, it had started to rain, I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm like in a residential area in Queens, you know, so anyway, I think that I finally got a cab, and he charged me $100 to take oh me my back God. to end. No, no, but I think we've all, if we're going to be honest, and I try to really be honest in this book, and really, like, tell it like it is, because I think that's something that women so often are ashamed or afraid to do because of being judged, or because, like, We want to seem like we're so successful at everything we do when it comes to dating and sex and relationships, like we've just got it all under control. But like, how can we when we live in systemic misogyny? I mean, and nobody talks about how that affects dating which it does. Like people will talk about how it affects the workplace and income inequality. And even now, thank God, they're fi- since the pandemic, finally talking about how this affects housework and child mm-hmm. things, women have to do at home and how you always do more labor at home. And that's all in the book too. Cause I bet that's all in the book too. Those relationships that I had like that. Cause I was in not one, but two marriages where i Hold more of the weight and was made to feel like bad for it or something. Because some men get real freaked out if you're like making more money than they are. And I was never like making a ton of money, but anything's more than nothing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? <You're going> <laughs> so, so, anyway, so I talk about all that. But one thing that we never are not never, but so rarely are really really real about is like I think really what happens in dating Mm -hmm. and and I know this because I've done it too I do it I've done my whole life I've done it too like oh I didn't really want that or oh I had it all under control or oh I meant to do that (laughs) you know like I meant to no it's like this is you know I don't want to like say it was all all terrible my whole life of experience of men but like mostly yeah no, like like mostly yeah it took me to get to be 56 years old to be able to say that and admit it like yeah um, it's pretty much all sucked and it's gotten worse I mean the beginning's always nice yeah they like you you like them and they're saying all the right things and everything's fantastic but then it all in my experience goes to complete shit and it's gotten worse since dating apps i do have women friends you know my age who like had kids with guys and they're married with guys and they tell me how wonderful everything is and that's fantastic i mean like i'm happy for them there's lots of women who are in really great relationships with guys and that's cool and good for them and i'm happy for them but uh i tell you some of those same women are married to guys who've tried hit me up on facebook message no yeah oh my god not just me other women too and that's what i talk about in the book as well it's like i think what not just dating apps have done but also like the internet in general and social media it's made it so much harder to trust
3: and easier to cheat yeah it's crazy now instagram has a feature where it's like you're in invisible mode so you can send messages and receive messages in invisible mode or vanishing mode and then vanishes so it's made it a lot easier for men and I guess women to send messages and DMs to people. It will vanish after like you exit out of the app and you go back in, the messages won't be there anymore. It makes oh. it so much
2: easier to fuck okay, around. For? Yeah. What meeting exactly. did they have? See, I used yeah. to just experience all this as a user, but then I sort of like started looking the other way into the companies and thinking like, what are they doing to us and why? Mm-hmm. And where did this decision come from, and why aren't they doing other things to protect us better? Well, you have to wonder, like, what was the meeting where they decided to do that? Like, what was said? Yeah. Why did they decide that that would be something that users would like? Right. You know that they you know they know that Instagram is used for dating, sex, and relationships, so they know that that's a feature that's going to be attractive to people who want to use it to step out. Yeah. Mm they know that. Yeah, 100%. Just think about it. Like when I was growing up, you know, there were dads who were cheating on the moms. and It was like, Oh, and that because they would get caught, like going to the phone booth, like (laughs) going to the gas station to make a call. Well, I saw him at the gas station making a call like late at night, you know, and he said he was going to do something else. Well, now, That same guy with that same agenda can be lying in bed next to his wife with Mm -hmm. his laptop right on his lap and just like talking to uh, whoever he wants or Instagram, you know, and when she checks his phone, which that's, I think, another big sign of what we've come to in the digital age is everybody checks everybody's phone. I learned how to do it and i talk about in the book when i started to see someone more regularly that i met on a dating app that's part of the book too as i talk about that relationship that lasted actually several years but i never really believed certain things he would say and he had all those behaviors those kind of fuckboy behaviors and oh he turned into a fuckboy. i i, I kind of make the case in in the book that like dating apps kind of turned him into a fuckboy, which is so really sad. Well, yeah, he came to New York and he was just so sweet, but then he's, you know, if you're a cute guy in New York city and you have a phone and you have apps and there's the city is more, our city is more women than men. And the women in this city, it's true. You guys in LA, right? Yeah. The women in New York city are gorgeous. It's just, they're just stunning. They're so well-maintained. They take such great care of themselves. They are fit. They have great jobs, they work so hard, they're holding everything together, they're doing amazing things. And there's more of them than guys. And then you throw into the mix dating apps where the guys have access or at least the perception yeah. Of access. And if you're a cute guy with a basically like a job, a job isn't even a requirement anymore. <laughs> right. But it's pretty easy. I think that's really tipped the scales a lot in terms of the balance of power in relationships, what's going on in terms of commitment. And
1: yeah, I think dating apps have made that discrepancy in cities all the more apparent. Because I have friends, my boyfriend lives in New York, and we were with friends. And my one friend was talking about how she wants to move out of New York because she felt like the dating was so terrible and that like you know there's such an influx of women compared to men so then all of the guys were telling her like you should go to San Francisco because there's way more men there and like way
2: fewer women she's like well I don't want to go to San Francisco like it's not fair actually that's funny you should say that because there's a character in the book Named Abigail. Now I change everybody's names because I have to, you know, to protect their privacy. But anyway, she's my very dear friend. She actually has a different name, but in the book I call her Abigail. I have a lot of younger women friends from the work I do and from the neighborhood that I live in and everything. And from the bar that I go to. So Abigail just moved to San Francisco. She moved right before coronavirus hit. And so she's gone through this whole thing being there doing the whole coronavirus dating thing. In San Francisco, which she said was just like hell, like hell. It was the dating app inferno 2.0. Yeah. Just 3.0. And she's had no better success. It's not that she can't get dates. That's not what I mean by success. She's had, she's had no luck finding guys that she really wants to date seriously there. Can I just say one thing, like a little technical? so i'll try and be brief so take your time
1: <laughs> yeah. we're here we want to hear from everything
2: that you have to say so. <laughs> so this technology right this technology affects our brains it makes us do things that affect our attitudes and this is all like design the sort of design theory of apps and f- for example one of the things is that they do is gamification which is turn everything into a game. If you turn everything into a game, then it's fun to play the game and you want to keep playing the game and you get the dopamine hits of like the match screen and the likes and it's like bells and whistles, like a slot machine. And it's all plays into addiction and stuff. So that's part of what's going on with this. But the other thing that's going on with it is that the things that it makes us do affect the way we feel and think about stuff. Like if you're a guy you know, you know, like this other interviewer, I don't mean to slag off on the other interviewer, but she just said kind of a lot of things that are kind of typical that people say about dating apps who people have maybe never used them or don't really get how insidious it is. She's like, well, you know, society was already misogynistic before dating apps came along. That's true. But in my opinion, dating apps have weaponized misogyny. And the way yes. that they do that is that they make guys who might not necessarily be all that sexist do things that make them more sexist, mm-hmm. like swiping on women's faces and deciding mm-hmm. if they're hot or not. I kind of think if you were a truly feminist guy who res- really respected women, you would say, oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put my finger on women's faces and say yes or no, I'll date them or not date them. I'm not yeah. going to do that. But just by the fact of doing it, say you're an, oh, like, a, like an okay neutral guy. You're like, Just by the fact of doing it develops an attitude in your mind that this is an okay thing to do, which is to objectify women. It gives them power. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Which they would never have if we didn't have dating apps and the only way to meet people or meet women was in person. They wouldn't have that power, you know? But from that screen behind that protection of the phone, they can just...
2: Exactly. And it makes them feel like they have the power to decide. Yeah. Yeah. I also made a film... Uh, called Swipe hooking up in the digital age it's still on all the hbo platforms awesome. and, you can, and it's on amazon prime for a few bucks i don't get any of it unfortunately but <laughs> you can watch it on there too i interviewed this evolutionary biologist and he talks about how once upon a time evolutionarily speaking the men who had so much access to women who had like harems and you know just could have their pick of any women they were kings and rulers had all this access to women. So it makes men, this guy says, feel extremely powerful, just Mm -hmm. as you're saying. Mm -hmm. Because they feel like, oh, look, I can... It's the perception more than the reality sometimes, but the perception is enough to change their attitude about everything. Yeah, and what the dating apps do, and I re- I learned this recently, even after the book was already like in production, so I couldn't put it in the book. But in January of 2021, there was this Reddit thread about anonymous dating app employees talking about the worst things about dating apps, and it was on Reddit, and then it was like listicled on Buzzfeed. And so one of the big things that they said anonymously is there's lots of bots on dating apps that are just like gorgeous women. So that guys, random guys will think that gorgeous women are matching with them. And they even have people sitting there doing a little convo for lines. And sometimes it's guys and sometimes it's women. And they'll say like, hey, what's up? Like you're cute or whatever. So just having that brief interaction with someone like extremely hot, like Cameron Diaz type, whatever. Yeah. They're like, oh my God. But then she, she disappears like Cinderella and they feel like the prince standing there holding the shoe and they want to chase her because their dopamine is going so crazy. And it's just like spewing out of their brain into their body. Like I feel so good. This gorgeous one. I got to keep swiping. I got to keep swiping because I got to find another one like that. Well, she matched with me. I'll get another one like that. Oh, and, that then another, so nor- and then another normal looking woman comes along normal, whatever could be just as cute but you know not in that standard of beauty kind of way yeah and he's like oh swipe left i don't need her wow. I need cameron what happened to cameron you know so they fuck with our brains yeah it's- Meanwhile, my
1: friends are like getting recycled matches. Me too. So then they're like, oh, okay, well, I might as well go out with
3: him since I'm like on my scene twice <laughs> now. I get that too. I get recycled ones and then I'm like, whatever, let me just match. <laughs>
2: well, you know why that happens? Because they put us in categories. They put us in categories that determine what they think is our attractiveness level. Oh God,
1: this is sorority it, recruitment all over again, right? Yes, Well,
2: That's so interesting you say that because there's I I kind of like uncovered this whole I think I mean yeah I would say I did as a reporter kind of uncovered in my interview with Whitney Wolf Hurd, who is the founder of Bumble. Mm-hmm. Whitney Wolf. Whitney Wolf heard now she married a guy that she did not meet on Bumble. She met him <laughs> while she was teen. But oh. anyway, come Rich dude. Okay. <laughs> okay, Whitney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Whitney, what happened to Bumble? What with that? <laughs> Bumble's fine for the rest of us. Didn't <laughs> work for you, huh, Whitney? <laughs> but you, meet, you meet Rich Dudes on the slopes,
1: right?
2: I see Oh you. my God, I've heard
1: about this. I've heard about this. In Aspen,
2: right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I heard She's the whole like thing. Vogue wedding and everything. Yep. The New York Times always loves to call her the feminist dating app, but that's just not even true, though, because it's the same exact design as Tinder. In fact, Tinder sued Bumble and they settled out of court for, for stealing the design, I think, or copying whatever. Also, this wonderful British um, dating historian that I've interviewed named uh, Zoe Strimple has written about Bumble's just codifies that women do more work. Mm -hmm. Right? Because there's more that you have to make, you have to make the first move. And it's just sort of codifies this whole thing we were just talking about how women do more work in relationships, more emotional work, more, you know, administrative work. You know, we have to, you know, the sorority connection. Okay. When Whitney was the publicist for Tinder when it was first launched, December, I think, of 2012, the first thing she did was take it to the frat houses and the sorority houses at SMU, which is her alma mater. And she has this whole monologue that she does in my film. because She's very proud of it. She thinks it was a great marketing move, which it was. But it was also so emblematic of what these apps are really about. Because what she says, basically, is that she got all the girls in the sorority houses to get their pictures on the apps. And then she went to the frat houses and said, these women, and, and I'm quoting her, these women are waiting for you. I was kind of like, what? Yeah, like, that sounds to me like you're a delivery service. It yeah, was in my like, like she's a promoter. Or something. Yeah, definitely yeah. promoter. But it's like seamless. Well, it was in my story in Vanity Fair that I did in 2012 on Tinder that a guy, I think for the first time in print, said it's like it's like seamless except it's a person. You're getting person instead of food, and and that's kind of what it sounded like to me when she was talking about marketing tender. so yeah okay so this is all really dark um i do think it's very dark at the same time like i said i try and i try and just joke around about it in the book too because it seems like every time we get together with my friends we we're just like so appalled at what we've experienced and we just want to like laugh because what can you do but laugh although i do think we need to change this culture Well, yeah. And sororities
1: are so interesting. And I say this as somebody who was in one at USC um, because they really are to cater to the frats, like the ranking of sorority houses and the fact that some sorority houses are even considered better than other sorority houses in the mainstream college culture is based on what fraternities think of them. So like, you know, you women join them because they're like, I mean, I came from Philadelphia. I had transferred to USC. I joined because I honestly had no friends and wanted to make friends. And to me, that was like being marketed as, oh, this is going to be the best way for you to meet people. And I did. I definitely did make great friends. But that being said, the way they're ranked and the way they make women feel about themselves is all catering to men. And you can find (laughs) out more about that in my episodic series.
2: (laughs) Which I'm going to watch because that dovetails exactly with what, with my critique of dating apps because dating apps make women feel bad too. Yes. I just mentioned Zoe, the dating historian, she's done research on how dating apps make women feel bad about themselves because they start to compare themselves even worse on even worse than on other social media. They start to compare, because it's literally about, are you gonna get chosen or not? Like The Bachelor. Well, and then
1: there's dating apps that won't even let everybody on them. And they're like, you have to be
2: accepted into them. Oh, well, yeah. The League and Raya and all that kind of stuff. is so elitist, but the dating apps, do that too, just like Tinder does that too, because they rate, they, the algorithms rate people based on how many matches. Like it's all a rating Oh my God, so I didn't even know that. Yeah, I I didn't didn't know, know that Yeah, I didn't know that part. They rate people based on how many matches they've gotten. And they kind of like sit them at the table with the the same level of attractiveness people. And then like I was telling you, every now and then they throw in like a really gorgeous one so that the, the kind of like, you know, who they think are C-list mm-hmm. are like, ooh, you know, I gotta stay on here but really they are just rating you with all these other people. And that's I mean, why
1: you hear some people say like, Oh, the dating apps are great. I've had four dates this week. And then you hear some people say like, I haven't had any the dating apps are terrible. Yes. I like made a note to myself. I have to ask you about this. The Ryan Eggold connection. How? I'm obsessed with the blacklist. So when I saw this on your Instagram, I was like, Oh my God like had a little heart attack.
2: Okay, so Ryan Eggle did a blurb from a book. It's right here. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so when you have a book coming out, your publisher kind of, they don't say this explicitly. I love my publisher. They are great. They're my favorite publisher I've ever had. I've had three different ones and they're my favorite. Hachette is, everyone is so nice. But you know, they want you to promote the book and these days you got to get blurbs. And it's a really big thing to ask someone to do, to do a blurb. I get asked all the time, like, it takes a lot of work if you're gonna do it right. You have to read the book, you have to think of something to say, you have to write something, it takes a while. And I've, I've never had to do it before because my first book I did, a, a true crime book on the Bling Ring case, I had to do it in like five weeks because the movie was coming out, it was crazy. So no time for blurbs. Second book, same thing. I was like rushing to you know get it out before some other books on similar topics were coming out. No time for blurbs. So this time I had to do the blurbs it's hard. You have to think of like people to do it or like have big names and stuff. And I-, I didn't really ever know how to do it. And they're like, well, don't you have any like people following you on Instagram or something? Maybe the, so I'm like, I don't really think I do. So I, I, I don't really do social media that much. I'm like, my whole life is critiquing it kind of. <laughs> so I look through my, I look through my Instagram on my followers. Do I have any blue checks? Do I have any like, simple <laughs> blue check? following me on instagram and there were like three and one of them was this guy ryan eggold i was like who is Ryan?" one was like some influencer one was some other person i'd never heard of and one was ryan eggold and i was like who's ryan eggold so i looked him up and i was like oh i know that guy because i love the blacklist i love that that on the blacklist and then i saw he's on this other show called new amsterdam yeah which is like i want every single every single time i watch it i cry mm, like i haven't watched it yet. it's so it makes you cry because it's just like it's like this is us or something it's like so good like everyone's so good yeah. and, and it makes you feel good and he plays this doctor who's the head of this hospital and he's like of course extremely handsome yes I was like why the fuck does ryan Eggold follow me on instagram so I DM'd him, I slid into his DMs, <laughs> and said, but not like that. I just said like, hey, I saw you follow me and I think you're amazing. Why, why do you follow me? <laughs> and what he said, believe it or not, it, I was amazed and surprised. He said that he had read my last book, which is called American Girls, Social Media and the Secret Lives of Teenagers. He just read it because I guess he's a reader. And it was, I don't know, kind of a big book at the time. And he read it. And it's it's about feminism and sexism and the challenges for girls on social media and how they're so sexualized and how they're so addicted, yes. all this stuff. So he knew all about it. And we started talking about it. And I was like, Well, um, I have this other book coming out. Do you want to read it? And he's like, Yeah, sure, I'd love to read it. So I sent it to him. I was too shy to ask him to do the blurb. Yeah. I was like, I was like too shy. But then I don't remember the exact thread but he basically said this book is great and I was like what did you do <laughs> And he was like sure he's just a super nice guy
1: wow.
3: and then,
2: well, it makes me so super. happy to hear he's just super nice super lovely and I just you know Ryan Eggle like the good there are some good guys mm-hmm. he's great on the blacklist and
1: great in real life we love to hear that well you gotta watch New Amsterdam now I'm going to well yeah because he dies in the book I don't want to talk about it. It was a really hard moment. Oh, he does? I haven't gotten yeah. that before. Spoiler. No. Oh, so
2: sorry. I'm sorry. Spoiler. I'm, I'm sorry. I think he's amazing. And he's been on, I I watch his Instagram now and and he's like shooting a movie in Georgia right now. And also he was in uh, that Spike Lee movie. He's really good because he can play lots of different characters. He was in the Spike Lee movie, Black Klansman. As a Klansman. Oh,
1: interesting. He's very Mm -hmm.
2: cool. Thank you,
1: I had to ask it like it was like I cannot forget to ask her this question anything else but this okay <laughs> so we are going to get into this letter do you want to read it yes I can read it yeah, you read away okay, okay. So, Giving advice to this woman yes she needs our advice she dm'd okay. us she slid into our dms yeah
3: okay dear damsels I met a guy online from my hometown we vibed both messaging end in person didn't talk every day or anything saw each other every couple of weeks had really great sex and then the messages became more frequent before halting to an abrupt stop I tried to keep communication open by sending chit chat every so often I admitted to having a crush on him then promptly lost confidence in the admission and basically told him I was too old for him and it was a nice fling in short I sabotaged myself I got one very coolly toned email from him that work and personal issues were consuming his time and sorry. I'm really disappointed in myself for being so insecure and likely hurting his feelings. Was this just a one night stand in the making from the start with a dude of incredible charisma? Should I cry over what might have been a cool thing that I screwed up? Is this my future husband sincerely self-sabotaging from the camouflaged insecurity?
2: Okay. So, I'm going to talk to this person not as a journalist or, or like an expert on dating apps or anything. I'm going to talk to her like I would talk to my friends. Yeah. Okay. So, is that okay? Yes. I was Our just yeah. I, like I like I like my friends to tell me the truth. Yes. You know, and we're think, very
1: blunt on yeah. this podcast. We give right.
2: people the rundown. I think you can be blunt but kind, and that's what we all need. First of all, you didn't sabotage yourself. And I will tell you this as a person who studies dating you didn't sabotage yourself, you didn't do anything wrong. Dating is broken. There's a way in which women are always blamed for this and blame themselves for it when men don't, you know, behave in kind, courteous and respectful and, you know, human ways. Mm-hmm. And this has gotten even worse, I think, since all this technology. And even if you didn't did she meet him on a dating app or she met him where did
1: she meet him? She met him online because she says he was from her hometown but they met online.
2: Okay, so they met online. What I was going to say was like even if you don't meet online, the online culture now bleeds into real life and it's mm-hmm. affecting yeah. everything. But If you meet someone online, and this has been going on, I don't know how old this woman is. She says, I told him I was too old for him. I don't know if that means she's five years older or 25 years older. older, but none of that matters. What matters is that you met him online. And I think, again, there are people who find each other and manage to form true relationships in the middle of this miasma. I know that that does happen. Of course it does. You know, I've been to a Tinder wedding. But for the most part, in the main, for most of us, the majority of people who are surveyed in data by Pew Research Center say that this is not leading to lasting commitment or marriage, but what it does lead to and what so many people do object to and find so difficult is there's a lot of ghosting. I was just talking to a young woman friend of mine today who got ghosted by a guy and ghosting seems like so normalized at this point, it wouldn't affect us, but it is so hard to be ghosted. It hurts so much because you put your hopes and dreams on this person and then they just disappear. It's, I think one of, it's one of the worst things about dating culture today is that people feel like they can just flick you away like a booger from their nose. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm sorry to be so disgusting about it. No, but that's, that's
3: exactly how it is. Yeah, it's not fair,
2: it's not right. And it shouldn't be happening. And there yeah. used to be a social contract somewhat where people treated each other a little better somewhat like yeah. basic stuff like if you even like canceled on a date 10 minutes before it was happening like everyone does now oh you were the worst person in the world mm-hmm. you were a bad person now it's like rah, you know don't even show up I've had young women friends tell me they're like standing in front of the theater like holding tickets to something and the guy doesn't show Aww. that's so sad and, I and, oh. She's like, where, where are you? He said, I'm in the emergency room with my, with my friend. She's like, send me pictures of the emergency room.
1: <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, where's, where's, where? what's the hospital what, number? Okay. I,
2: you are not, there is no, you didn't sabotage anything, girl. You no. you just went on a, you, you had great, you gave a man your Yoni, is it Yoni? I don't know, whatever you do. <laughs> I thought you would know, but I don't, don't know. know. A JJ, whatever, whatever we're saying these days, you had great sex with this guy. You had fun with this guy. You spent time with him. He should be kind, courteous and respectful to you enough to either. So it's not on you. No. It's on him. Yeah, it is exactly. not on you. It's on him. He yeah. should be if he he should be saying something. Mm-hmm. Cuz ghosting is wrong. Whether it's hey, I can't do this right now or and it also should not be texting. It should be a phone call.
3: Yeah. I agree. People
2: just don't do that anymore, but that is really how it should be. Yeah. Like, I mean, for a for for a time in which we're like holding everyone so accountable, how come we're not holding each other accountable in dating? And how come we're not holding these companies accountable? Mm-hmm. So well, I don't think anything wrong. I don't think you undermined yourself. I don't think you sabotaged no. yourself. I think you were honest and real, and it's all on him. I don't yes. see anything bad that you did whatsoever. Yeah. It bothers me because she says the message is
1: like halted to an abrupt stop. And then she's the one who's doing everything. Like she tries to keep the communication going. She admits having a crush. She's sabotaging herself. Everything is her putting the blame on herself. And it just bothers me because this is what women do. It's like we've been conditioned by society to believe that it's always our fault and everything. Like when a relationship ends, we still put the blame on us, even if we have nothing to do with it. And I have definitely been doing that and like been in that position and it's yeah. taken me a lot of therapy to only acknowledge that that's what I was doing yeah. and like and we're the ones going to therapy we're exactly, really exactly. Like
2: they are the ones who should be going to therapy exactly
3: yeah. we're going to therapy for their issues I've been ghosted so many times before and I've every time to my therapist crying about it what did I do wrong and then going through the messages and like being like okay did I say anything weird and then thinking Did I like? Did I do anything weird or crazy? Like, was it me? And no, it's not ever us. Our
2: bullshit of misogyny, where I mean, I'm sorry to sound this way, but what else is it where men think that they can just like, you know, have sex with a woman and then just never talk to her again? Like, yeah, I I just don't think you did anything wrong, and I'm sorry it happened to you. And it's we all been there. I mean, I've been ghosted. We've all been there, and it sucks. Yeah, and you know. I know it's cold comfort to say like well you didn't want him anyway if he's somebody who would go someone but it's kind of true though right Yeah
3: yeah it it definitely isn't a cool thing that she screwed up or your future husband because if it was he wouldn't be able to just stop talking to you like yeah. that he would want to keep you know talking to you and and forming a better relationship with you but Yeah, it's not on it's not on you, it's on him. he's
2: not your future husband if he does you. I hope not. No, because they often come back. Oh, they they are come come back. back. That's another power play. Like, hey, what's up? You know (laughs) hey, what's up? Yeah, how are you doing? You know, as you get older, if you're not like married or whatever, you'll see, well, no, even if you are married, you'll see that happens more and more as time goes by and it gets to be longer and longer periods of time. I've had guys, I'm 56 now, I've had guys come back after 25 years i be like, what's good? How are you doing? Oh, no, no, please, no. I I am not, God is my witness. I am not, they will be like, what's going on? Have you guys ever had the experience? Well, not you because you're you're with someone for a while, but have you ever had the experience where you're on Tinder or one of these things and you see someone that you know is in a relationship with someone else? That's happened to me so many times.
3: Yes. So I'm unfortunately on Raya, the horrible dating app. And it was a little after Valentine's Day. I was seeing people on there and I click on their Instagram because their Instagram link is right there. So I'll click on their Instagram to vet them out pretty much. And they've just been posting pictures of their girlfriends on Valentine's Day or their baby mamas that have been that they've been with for so long and I'm like why are you on this app like for what reason like you will get caught and people can see your instagram
2: i think that they think that they're somehow not going to get caught because they it has this illusion of privacy or something but it's really so much easier to see you than you ever think it is yeah i saw a guy on tinder in the early days of tinder who i had introduced to a friend of mine and they were dating and they now have two kids together but early on i saw him on there and but i don't know what see they have two kids see this is the thing they have two kids together but i don't know what he does you know what i mean like nobody really knows if he's on tinder like what does he then they have two kids i don't know but anyway i saw him there and I was like, I saw you on Tinder. I introduced you to my friend. Like, what are you doing on Tinder? He said, oh, it's a technological glitch. Okay. Like, oh. He's like, you're not going to tell her, are you? And I said, I'm not going to tell her, but I hope you don't date other women if you're telling her you guys are exclusive but then what does he do he's afraid that i'm gonna tell her so he goes and tells her and then she calls me up and says i just want you to know it was just a technological glitch oh Oh, no, no honey no
3: come on oh that makes me so sad I know I was so sad I was
2: like okay girl the brainwashing yeah wow. the
3: manipulation my goodness they're so good at it I know oh man I was cheated on in my previous relationship and when I confronted him he said oh the iCloud wasn't syncing up and I guess it just synced up but from it was from a long time ago and I'm like oh
2: I'm come not stupid come on
1: I am not oh, stupid. Oh my
2: god. Your iCloud wasn't. The it. iCloud didn't like, up until now. Oh it's like you know, it reminds me of that song. I made a playlist for, for nothing personal. My book. I made a playlist. It's wow. on Spotify. And there's this really great song. It's all my songs that like have been part of my dating life and like sort of going back. And there's one by Yo-Yo. Well, Yo-Yo in her song. Girl, don't be no fool. Is that what it's called? Girl, don't be no fool. She says, what does this mean? What does this mean? This is because this is what women ask. Like, what does this mean if he um, stays out late? You know, and like, what does this mean if he's on Tinder? And oh, there was a technological glitch. No, what it means is girl, you're being played like a sucker. (laughs) Yeah,
3: that's
2: what it means.
3: Yeah. If you're Um, asking what does it mean that he's on Tinder, come on. Ain't ain't nothing good. Ain't nothing good. (laughs) It means he loves you and it it's just a
2: technical glitch. It means a oh my really god. Good marriage. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, well there are two kids in now, so I hope he's behaving himself.
1: Oh yeah.
2: wow. Well, on that note, Nancy, <laughs> thank you so much
1: for coming and chatting with us today. Where can people find you and where can they get your book? You
2: can get my book on uh and on Amazon. On uh, a lot of great booksellers. If you go to my website, which is nancyjosales.com, n a n c y j o s a l e s dot com, there is a page for this book where it has all the links. It has my Spotify playlist. Love
3: that. It has, all, it has,
2: that. It has, it has the reviews. It has Ryan Eggold's Blair, It has a blurb. <laughs> It has Tyra Banks blurb. It has also no. I did a story on Tyra years ago. She's super cool, and she did a blurb too. And it also has um, uh, my Vimeo you know, a link to my Vimeo page where I'm going to start posting interviews with. I'm gonna. I'm very interested in how this is all affecting us. So I'm gonna be doing more interviews that I'm gonna um, post there. With people talking about dating and coronavirus. Love that. I'm in the summer. Now that the masks are coming off and everything, like everyone in New York is saying it's going to be crazy. Yeah.
1: Well, Nancy, thank you so, so much. We had such a great time talking to you today. Yeah, it was
2: really fun talking to you. This was super fun. Well, thank you.
1: DMs, DMs. We don't need them. We just leave them. Please. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe.